Welcome to the Billingshurst Family Church Podcast. For more information or to support our work in Billingshurst and the surrounding areas, please visit billingshurstfamily.church. So as, as you, most of you know, I'm Natalie. Um, I think you'll find there's a theme coming through this morning uh, with Chris's and my talk. There's some similarities you'll see in, in it there. So I've chosen to speak about Moses. Um, I love the story of Moses, um, especially the bit I'm going to talk about today. And I think also when we look at Moses and Jesus, there's quite a lot of similarities between them in their lives. Um, so I'll just introduce the story. Um, so Moses' life didn't start great. Um, so as most of you know, he ended up murdering an Egyptian. Um, he had to flee uh, Egypt. Uh, he was basically a fugitive. Uh, he was a murderer. Um, he had to run away into the desert. And uh, there, luckily, he managed to bump into a lady, got married, settled down as a farmer, and he, he laid low. And he, he did, we don't really know what he did for 40 years, but he laid low. And then this burning bush appears to Moses. At that time, Moses was probably about 80 years old. He'd already failed, he'd already murdered an Egyptian, and um, he was quite old and he was quite comfortable, and he probably thought his time had been and gone. But Moses had other pla- uh, God had other plans for Moses, and he called Moses to return to Egypt and to um, go to the Pharaoh and ask for the Israelites, who were God's chosen people, to be set free from slavery. Um, I don't have time to read the whole passage. It's quite long, um, so I'm going to ad-lib a little bit. Um, But I do recommend you go and read the passage in Exodus. It's really good. Um, So, um, when uh, God called Moses, he had four main objections. Um, These objections were, who am I? Number two, what if? Number three, I can't. And number four, just send someone else. Um, And if, like me, you struggle to obey God at times, you might find some of these excuses will resonate with you. And we're going to look at each one a bit closer. Um, So excuse number one that Moses had was, who am I? So this is basically false false humility. Who am I? I, You know, I can't do this. I'm just nobody. And God's reply is, I will be with you. I will be with you. And it got me thinking, if I was entering a baking competition... I'm not very good at cooking, really, or baking. I probably, probably wouldn't win. But if I got a partner, and my partner happened to be Mary Berry or someone who's very good at baking, do you know what? My expectation of winning that competition would go up greatly. I, I would hope I would win if Mary Berry was my partner in baking. Um, so it's the same when we obey God. It's not about us. God will be with us. Um, so the question isn't, who am I, as Moses asked. It's actually, who is God? Who is the person that's with you when he asks you to do things? It's like that scene from Lion King, this is where I do a bad impression, um, uh, where uh, Simba's thinking about whether he should return to the Pride Land, and his dead father appears in the cloud to him and says, remember who you are. (laughs) That's that's the impression's over. Um, But actually, actually for for us, it's actually um, remember whose you are. So whose are we? We're God's. And um, if you didn't hear Lizzie's talk, or or you you need to listen again to Lizzie's talk on identity last month, where she talked about um, our identity in God and whose we are. If you're struggling to obey God because of false humility, we think you're not good enough, actually you are are adopted by God and you need to go listen to Lizzie's talk again because she does a really good job of talking about your identity in, in God. So God says, I will be with you. And then he goes on to say, and the proof of this will be... When you are free, you will end up worshipping me. 
Basically, God's putting Moses in his place. It's not about uh, Moses' power or for Moses' glory. Actually, it's all about God, his power, and for God's glory. Interestingly, in this whole passage, there's no point that God gives Moses a pep talk. Pep talk. Um, which is, uh, you know, you know it, doesn't, it doesn't turn around to Moses and say, actually, Moses, you know, I've, I've planned your life out. Moses, you know, I've given you these wonderful gifts. I've given you the skills to do this. Moses, you can do it. You're really good. You know, go and do what I've asked you. Come on, Moses. Actually, he doesn't say anything like that to Moses. Nothing like that. It's actually all about God. God talks about himself, his track record, and how he will be remembered from generation to generation. So when we start to focus on ourselves we'll have doubt in our ability to obey God because by ourselves we can't do it. So actually we need to take our eyes off ourselves and turn them to God because with him by our side we can do all the things he's asked us to do. So that's um, Moses' first objection, who am I? His second one was, what if? What if they don't believe me? And this is one that I probably struggle with the most. So um, God gives Moses three miracles. He has a staff that he can throw down and turn into a snake. He can turn his hand into, into a leprosy hand, in and out of leprosy, and he can turn water into blood. And you think, great, if I had those miracles, I could do anything God asked me to do. But actually, when I really think and really contemplated on this, would I have the faith to perform them? Or would I doubt that they might not work when I went to do them? My favourite band growing up was a DC Talk, and they've got a song that says, I'm the king of excuses, I've got one for every selfish thing I do. That's me. Um, I can talk myself out of anything. So if I go to buy a present for someone, I can go in all the shops, spend hours and hours trying to buy a present, and I'll just think, what if they don't like that? What if they've already got that? What if it's a bit too expensive? What if it's too cheap? What if... And I'll end up coming back with nothing. And it's the same with conversations that God prompts me to have, like Chris was talking uh, about, and and especially supernatural uh, things that God might ask me to do. I'll just talk myself out of it. One of my best excuses is that I want to save embarrassment for God. So what if I threw that stick down and it stayed a stick? That would be so embarrassing for God, I'd best not do it. And um, and I think that really does hinder hinder me, and I'm going to work on that. But, But when we think about faith, faith is a gift, And we can ask for more of it. So we can ask for more faith. And also faith grows, doesn't it? So the more we exercise faith, the more we start obeying God in the small things, the more we'll see God's power working, the more we'll have faith and it will grow and we'll be able to expect him for big things. Okay, so that's what if. The next one is I can't. So Moses says, I can't speak well. I'm not very eloquent. I'm very slow of speech. And, and tongue. Seems quite a valid excuse, really, doesn't it, actually? If you're, Moses has to do an awful lot of talking. He's literally like God talks to Moses and Moses talks out what God said. So he does an awful lot of talking. And you could think, why didn't God pick someone who was actually quite good at talking that didn't maybe have a stutter or something like that? But we don't, we don't know why God chose Moses. But that is actually God's decision, isn't it? Not Moses' decision. But God's response is basically... I have the power over speech, I'll teach you. And then he just says, go, get on with it. It's not a very long response, just go and get on with it. You know, don't worry about it, get on with it. And it got me thinking about red lines, not Brexit red lines, but red lines that we might have when it comes to serving God. I'll do this for you, God, but I won't do this. For me, a good one would be I should never be on the worship team. 
because I don't have any musical ability. <laughs> Take note of this. Um, or it could be that I, I shouldn't, I, you know, I am actually really bad at foreign languages. So I, I lived in Romania for three months. I learned hello, goodbye, yes, no, one to ten. And after the plane landed down in England, I'd forgotten every single thing of it. I couldn't tell you a word of Romanian now. But as, as funny as it would be to see me, maybe in Romania, playing the guitar, singing worship, I shouldn't completely count it out, even though it's quite unlikely. We shouldn't count out anything that God might ask us to do. We have to examine our hearts and ask ourselves, are we willing to do whatever God asks of us? Do we trust he has a plan and he knows better than, we, than us of what we can and can't do? So do you have any red lines, areas of service that you find yourself saying no to straight away, not because you've prayed about it and, and sought counsel about it, but just because you don't want to or you can't? Is there an area of service such as kids' work or being on the welcome or whatever it is in the church or outside the church? If Craig asked you to do a summer series, would you just say no straight away just because you can't talk up here? Um, if you decided that Billingshurst is your home for life or you couldn't possibly leave before the kids have left school, um, even if God asked you to. Or maybe it's to do with giving. You know, you can't possibly afford any more giving, so you haven't even, even sought God about it. Obviously, God uses our talents and gifts, but we can see from this story uh, with Moses that in spite of his perceived shortcomings, God can use us. If we get comfortable and we forget to lean on God and we stick inside our small area of perceived competencies, um, we, just, we just don't lean on God at all. And I think there's probably people here who, who need to repent of any red lines that they've um, made and that they won't allow God to cross. And, and see what God does. <laughs> okay, the fourth objection, um, Moses' last di- ditch attempt to get out of it, is send someone else. You know, As I said, he's comfortable, he's, he's pretty old, he's feeling quite safe. Uh, if he went back to Egypt, you know, they, they might want to hunt him down as this murderer. He's tried before, and it didn't work very well, it's all failed. Send someone else. God's not quite as sympathetic as I, I was towards this. And actually, it says in the Bible that God burned with anger when Moses said this. He was probably so staggered that um, Moses' level of doubt and his ability to choose the right person for the job. But even um, even though God burned with anger, he was still gracious and he gave Moses a wingman, Aaron, his brother, to help him. And so Aaron did a lot of the talking in the early bits uh, of the story. And God gives us a helper, doesn't he? He gives us the Holy Spirit and he gives people around us to help us when we think we can't do it. However, when you read on in in the rest of Exodus, you'll see that Moses does a lot of talking, that he actually could do it. Um, I was teaching my son, my four-year-old, to ride a bike last week. Um, He's quite good. He was riding it. I was there just making sure he didn't fall off because that would be a disaster if you know my son. Um, So I'm just holding him, uh, just just around him, but he's actually riding it. But while he's riding his bike, he's screaming, I can't do it, I can't do it. And you're like, you're doing it. It's very annoying. And I thought about it, and I think, I think he was just, he felt wobbly, and he felt unsafe, but he was doing it. And it's the same with Moses. He, at the start, he felt a bit unsafe, he felt a bit wobbly, but he was doing it. And so when God calls us out of our comfort zone and asks us to do something that we're not sure about, it might feel a bit wobbly, and it might feel a bit unsafe, but he will give us the support we need. Okay, so that's Moses' four excuses. 
They're up there, aren't they? Yep. <laughs> um, but this, this series, obviously, we're going to look to Jesus, and um, this is a bit similar to, to what um, Chris has already said. Um, but we need to, to compare Moses to Jesus and how Jesus responded to God's call. And this was what we'll just spend the last couple of minutes looking at. Much of the burning bush is about Moses' obedience or, or actually the way he looked for excuses not to obey. And the best example of Jesus' obedience is at the cross, as Chris said. And as Chris said as well, the, at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus played three times, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. He prayed that three times. I got, this got me thinking, what, what could have Jesus said? Quite legitimately, he could have said, do you know what, God? You know what, Father? I don't actually deserve this. I've actually done nothing wrong. If you look at my track record, I've been perfect. He could have said, it's not my cup to bear, you know, um, Let's find a different way. He could have said, you know, we did that flood before. Why don't we do some sort of other sort of thing and, and try again? Um, he could have said, like, why don't we just try maybe a halfway heaven-hell thing? I don't know, but maybe let's look for a different way. He could have said, like, okay, I'll do it, but let's wait. I'm only in my 30s. You know, why don't we wait until I'm a bit older because, you know, I could do lots more miracles. I could do lots more good stuff on earth, but he doesn't say that. He could say, all right, I'll do it, but give me some sort of superpower that doesn't hurt so much. Um, Maybe send some invisible angels to help me on the cross, um, just so it's a a little bit easier. But God doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say any of this, does he? Unlike Moses, Jesus doesn't make excuses. He doesn't shrink away from obeying, um, obeying God for his own ease of life. Jesus gave up all his power and might, and he willfully went through one of the most painful deaths there was, so that you and me, who put him there on the cross, can become saved. Not just saved, but co-heirs with him in heaven. It's amazing, isn't it? And this is an amazing example of obedience, that no matter what the cost, even death, Jesus obeyed his father. And Moses, like us, made excuses and tried to get out of the situation but actually, eventually, he did. He did obey. And he went back to, to Egypt, and he won the people from slavery, from Pharaoh's hand, and went on to do loads of other amazing stuff, you know, parting the sea and all the other amazing things that Moses did. Jesus, too, did question why, if it was possible not to go through the suffering, but he never questioned God's identity or choice in person. And Jesus lived a life that pointed to God the Father And he paved the way for us to be rescued out of slavery, the slavery of sin. And he leads us into the promised land of a new life. So if we look forward to the rest of Moses' life, he was pretty steadfast. And actually, after he dealt with those four four objections, those four doubts, those four excuses at the burning bush, he went on to be extremely obedient and did everything that God asked him to do. And so for us, when we start saying yes to God... Our faith will grow and we will grow. But most importantly, it will bring glory and worship to God. I think we're going to have a response time now. So um, in the response time, just spend some time praying, seeking God and, and asking yourself, why do you find it hard at times to obey? Is there a particular one of these excuses that resonates more with you that you need to deal with? Um, is it the fact that you need to stop looking at yourself and look to God more? Um, Do you need to grow your faith by being more obedient? Do you have any red lines that we talked about that you need to repent of and just make sure that you're willing to do whatever God asks you to do? Or are you just finding it hard and you need to ask for a helper because God will give us a helper, the Holy Spirit and people around us? Great. Thank you. The end. Thank you, Natalie.